Good evening. So good to be with you tonight. My name is Joel Close. I'm the Wake Forest uh, pastor over there, way out there in the woods. I don't know if you've ever been to Wake Forest. Yeah, you know where it is. It's down the road a bit. I'm so glad to see you. I'm glad to see familiar faces out there. I'm even more excited to see unfamiliar faces. That's no offense to the familiar faces, but it's great to see unfamiliar faces as well. I want to introduce somebody to you. I wish it was a personal friend because I'd love to meet this guy. He's not a personal friend, but you may have even seen him before. His name is Leon. Leon Logothetis, Logothetis, I believe, is Logothetis. That's how you say his name. This is what he looks like. Leon, he, he, well, he was a broker in England, and he made a lot of money. And he, at one point in his life, just thought, isn't there more to life than this, than all the partying and all the money and just kind of throwing it away. So what he decided to do was Leon took a big risk. Leon put $5 in his pocket. He left behind his job, his home, his paycheck, his cell phone, and he got this vintage motorcycle and he went around not only the country, not only he came over to the United States and went around our country, but he also went to countries like Europe, India, Cambodia, Vietnam, Canada, and finally back to LA. And here's some of the people that he met along the way. And his only goal was to survive on the kindness of others. That's it. Total strangers, never met Leon, crossing his fingers that there were enough people in the world, not just in our country or his country, in the world that would show him kindness and that he could survive. This is on Netflix. The series is called The Kindest Diaries. And if you haven't seen it, I really highly recommend that you go and watch a few of the episodes, maybe all of them. I'm, I'm going through it right now and with my kids, and it's just so cool to see the generosity of people uh, and, and how Leon benefits from that, and kind of a twist, kind of a spoiler alert, how people benefit from Leon's generosity once he is just overcome with their gener generosity, he often surprises them with huge generosity gifts that just blow you away. It's the tearjerker moment. Get the tissues when you watch. I'm just warning you. It's inspiring. It's inspiring to watch that. I encourage you, you can watch that as a family. And when I was a kid, my brothers and I, if we watched something, like say we watched boxing on ABC's Wide World of Sports, some of you are like, you're going through the opening right now and the agony of defeat when that guy's, right? You remember that. And we would watch boxing on Saturday. And immediately we wanted to go down to the basement, put on these old boxing gloves that my dad has and just pound the snot out of each other, right? And just see who would yell for mom first. That was our goal, right? It was inspiring. And then when I watched motor, motocross racing on that same ABC Wide World of Sports, I wanted to jump on the dirt bike that we had and just ride out back into the woods and pretend I was racing. And, and this show, it really does the same thing to me. When I watch this show, it inspires me. It inspires me to be kind, to look for some way that I can be kind. And, and here's what research actually shows. It shows that the more kindness that we witness or receive the more we will be kind ourselves. It's science, people. It's true. They did research on this. Kindness breeds more kindness. It's just a fact. And if you're a follower of Jesus tonight, here's the good news. 
You have the power to be a kind person. Now, you know someone who's kind. And if you look in the mirror and go, that's a kind person, first of all, is that a humble person? That's the first question to ask. But in your head right now, if I said, think of somebody who is kind, I think everyone in this room could probably think of somebody in your life who is kind. And the good news is tonight, like I said, is the Bible has something to say about how we as Christ followers can grow in our kindness. And, and so we have Bibles coming down every week. We just offer you a Bible. If you're brand new to LifePoint, maybe you're brand new to just figuring out this Jesus thing. You're here out of curiosity. You don't have a Bible at home. Take this Bible with you. It's our gift to you. You can get one now as the ushers are coming down the aisle, or you can get one on your way out. Take this with you. Open it up. Crack it open. We believe that God has a plan for your life, and you can discover what that is through reading his word. So we're going to be in, um, first of all, in Galatians. That's what this whole series is based on. We're going through this series called Forget You. And I know it's not very uplifting, right? Forget you. Oh, I'm glad I came to church tonight, all right? Forget me. That's a great message, Joel. Well, this is what we mean by forget you. We read in Galatians that there's this sinful nature that we've all experienced in this room, that we all know where it leads us to. It leads us to selfishness, to destruction, to hurting others, to hurting ourselves. And yet, on contrast to that, on the other side of that, is what Paul describes that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, can do when we invite Christ into our life. Here's what he says. When we invite Christ in our lives, he gives us a spirit, and this is what it says in Galatians 5, and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, as you look at that list, if you go check, 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 I am so good at all of those things, you can leave now. <laughs> The, the, no one, it's cover of darkness, so you can just leave in humility. And uh, I see that list and I go, wow, God, I need you. I need you to produce some of those things in my life. I need you to produce all of those things in my life. And God says, okay, I will. It'll be a process, but I will. And here's what we've learned throughout this series, that God can produce within me what I cannot produce myself. That's good news, because when I look at that list, there's some things that jump out that are pretty intimidating that I know I don't do well, so I am so glad to know that God can produce within me what I cannot produce myself. Now, tonight, we're going to combine three of those things. We're going to combine kindness, goodness, and gentleness, because if you look at the definitions of those three things, they use those words to describe the other words. So if you look up kindness, the words are actually used like goodness and gentleness, so we're going to combine those and really, those words can be summed up in a one word, compassion. That's another word that can be used for all three of those things. And there are lots of stories of compassion in the Bible. Uh, lots of stories uh, of Jesus and others showing compassion. But the one we want to focus on tonight is about Jesus. It's in Mark 10. So we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those stories about Jesus written from those who walked with him, his disciples. And his disciple Mark wrote this account in Mark 10. So that's where we are. If you're in your Bibles, the words will also be on the screen. It says this starting in verse 46. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. Now pause for a second. This is typical. Jesus is in the middle of his ministry. He is healing people. 
He is teaching things that they've never heard before. So large crowds are not a new thing. And they're following him. And this is what it says. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And I love the way Jesus reacts. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. And then this question from Jesus that he asked is so insightful. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Now, before we get to the compassion and kindness that Jesus showed, I wondered how in the world was the man instantly healed when Jesus said, your faith? What faith? He just told Jesus what he wanted done. I want to see. But see, he threw aside his cloak. Now, his cloak was something that was given to him, some scholars say, by the government to, to say, you can, this is a beggar, this is a blind man, he qualifies to beg on the street. And he threw that cloak aside, knowing that he would never need it again if he was going to approach Jesus. So first I want to point out the faith that this man had that healed him. And the second thing I want to point out that we want to uncover together is the kindness that Jesus showed him, the compassion that he showed him. I think Bartimaeus is really asking two questions. He's saying, can you see me and can you help me? And folks, there are people all around us, whether they're verbalizing it or not, they're asking those same two questions. Can you see me? Can you help me? We see it all around us. Stanford researcher named Philip Zimbardo says this, I know no more potent killer than isolation. There is no more destructive influence than the isolation of you from me and us from them. And that's the situation Bartimaeus finds himself in, isolated, ignored, even told to be quiet at one point in this passage, right? Shut up, right? Jesus is too busy for you. Just sit there, okay? Sit there like you always do. His blindness isolates him. Physically, he is in this place in, in a separate category from regular people, right? He likely can't work a regular job. He may not have family to care for him. He's sentenced to sit by the side of the road every day. He's totally dependent on the generosity of others. The crowds furthermore isolated him, like we talked about, shouting, would you just leave him alone and shut up? <laughs> and no one really takes the time to see him, right? to see his need. Now, you may not have yelled at a blind guy. Maybe you're not guilty of that, right? So there you go. There's points for you. I've never yelled at a blind guy. <laughs> but, but we've all come up and we all know actually where the intersections are. 
don't we? Where the person with the sign is standing there. And as we approach that intersection, our mind is saying, I hope I am not car one, two, or three. And so often we ride the bumper with the green light, right? Because we don't want to get stuck under that yellow or under that slightly red red that I just went under in order to not to be car number one. Because when we are car number one, right, we suddenly, thank goodness for cell phones, right? Right? In the old days, we just had to fiddle with the radio, like our radio was broken. Now we can play with our cell phones. And so often, what's the number one rule of engagement for so many of us when we approach? Don't look them in the eye. That's right. The number one rule of engagement is don't engage. Because when you look someone in the eye, something happens. A connection happens. You feel something. Check out this video that illustrates that exact point. Are you like me? When you see some of the connections being made, are you thinking, I wonder what they're thinking? I wonder what's going on in their mind. What we see from that global experience is that it is powerful to look into someone's eye, to make a connection without using words. And folks, I believe, I believe it with all my heart tonight that thumb-to-thumb connection is great, 
texting somebody that you're encouraging them or that you're thinking about them. But eye-to-eye connection is something that we've lost. And it's something that Jesus does in this scenario. He says, bring Bartimaeus to me. And Bartimaeus says, can you see me? And Jesus says, yeah, I see you. Come over here. And so many of you, maybe in this room, are asking that same thing. Please don't think that I'm just under the assumption that we all have it together here. (laughs) Some of us are hurting in this room, and we're saying the same thing. Is there anyone out there who would love me? Does anyone understand me? Do I matter? Is there anyone who knows what it's like to be me? There are people in this room saying that, and there are people all around you every day saying that. And as Bartimaeus comes up to Jesus, I just think it's so interesting what Jesus asks him. He asks him the biggest no-duh question, right? It's like, doy, right? What do you want me to do for you? Everybody around him knows the answer. But I think Jesus was giving him a sense of dignity in that moment, not assuming anything. How often do we go through life assuming that we know what people's needs are and that we can evaluate them and then try to supply a need that we have no clue about? Do we know them enough? Do we care enough to ask, what do you want me to do for you? And in this moment, Jesus bringing dignity to Bartimaeus says, what do you want me to do for you. He demonstrates kindness by taking the time to stop. He demonstrates goodness to call him over to himself. And he demonstrates gentleness to ask him a question that gives him dignity and self-esteem. And Jesus makes a very challenging statement in another teaching. It's in Matthew, another one of the gospels. It's in Matthew 7, and it says this. You probably heard this one before. I'm guessing your mother has said this. You probably thought it was your mom's quote, I'm here to just bust your mom right now. This was Jesus. Sorry, mom. This was Jesus. He says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the new law and the prophets. This is called the what rule? Does anybody know? The golden rule, right? For those of you who said silver, there will be a silver medal in the back. This is the golden rule, right? And and Jesus doesn't frame it in a negative or neutral way. Notice what he says. He doesn't say, leave people alone as you'd like to be left alone. Some of you like that version better, don't you? (laughs) Leave people alone as you would like to be left alone. That's not what Jesus says. He says, do. He says, an action, right? Encourage people because you know how it feels to be encouraged. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Compliment people because you know what it feels like to have a compliment. Help someone because you know how it feels to receive help. He frames it in the positive. Engage in kindness is what he's saying. You do that putting, by putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Now, it's a natural thing for us to put ourselves in someone else's shoes if we've gone through something similar to them. So if you've gone through cancer, you can relate to someone who has. If you've lost a child, you can relate to that person. If you've battled depression, 
if you've been abused, if you've been addicted, it's easy for us then to empathize with someone else. But see, Jesus gives us the power to do that through the Holy Spirit. God produce in me what I can't produce myself so that when I see someone in a wheelchair, I say, well, I'm not in a wheelchair, but I could be. When you see someone and hear of someone who has cancer, you say, well, I don't have cancer, but I know I could. I wasn't born in a country without sufficient food and water, but I certainly could have been. I don't need a job today, but tomorrow I just might. You see, when we look at someone and we look at them in the eyes, we start to have compassion and empathy for them. We understand that we are just one moment away, one step away, one doctor's visit away from being in their situation. And when we go about life like that, when we go about life with that kind of When we go about life with that kind of compassion and kindness, I think God does a work in us and through us because so many times we can't do that on our own. You may have heard this saying, there but for the grace of God go I. And it's said that English evangelical preacher John Bradford coined this phrase in the mid-1500s as he watched criminals being led to the scaffold. He said, by God's grace, that's not me, but it could be. In fact, it was him in, 19, in 1555. He was burned at the stake for his beliefs. So, the follower of Jesus named Paul writes these words. And, and, and I want us to kind of wrap our mind around this because it's the kindness that God has for us that he places within us. Let me say that again. It's the kindness that God has for us that he places and produces in us. It's that same kindness. And this is what Paul says in Romans 2. He says, in kindness, he, God, takes us firmly by the hand. He leads us into a radical life change. Some of us in this room have grown up thinking it's God's wrath judgment, and disappointment in me that leads me to repent and turn from my sinful ways. Maybe you've grown up believing that or you were taught that, but Paul says right here, no, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's his patience, it's his gentleness, it's his goodness that leads us to turn from our sinful nature. There are people in this room who get that. I get that. When I think about the patience that God has had for me, the kindness that he's had for me, and how that has made a difference in my life in turning toward him, I'm living proof of that scripture. If we can be changed by God's kindness toward us, then maybe, just maybe, Maybe that spouse, that boss, that coach, that coworker, that family member, you know that one, right? You're thinking of that one now. Maybe, just maybe, 
their heart can be changed by the kindness that God has placed in us. That by showing them that kindness, that they may change or they may ask, why are you being so nice to me? And we can say, well, I've got some help. (laughs) I can't do it on my own. You're too much of a jerk. No, don't say that. (laughs) But sometimes we realize where our kindness ends, where our gentleness ends, where our goodness ends, we need so much more. And that's where God begins. Scott, uh, this is a really cool story. Remember at, at the beginning, I told you that kindness is contagious, that idea. In Scottsburg, Indiana on Father's Day, this happened. True story. About 8.30 p.m., a woman in her early 60s pulls through the drive through She notices that behind her is a dad with a car full of kids, and she says to the cashier, I want to pay for the car behind me. And it was a bill of $36, and she said, when they pull up here, just tell them Happy Father's Day and give them their food. So they did that, and when the cashier told this man what had happened, he ordered to pay for the next two cars behind him. You probably heard about this at Starbucks, but this is a really cool story because it goes on and on and on from there. It snowballs all night long. From 8.30 p.m., it keeps going, and 167 cars, now you're thinking, do 167 people go through McDonald's from 8.30 to midnight? (laughs) That's a scary thought, but yes, they did. (laughs) But 167 cars were paid for by the car in front of them. Kindness is contagious. Now, I know what you're thinking, too. Who's the loser in car 168, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're all thinking that. Here's the cool thing. Car 168 pulls up and says, I want to pay for that. Oh, you're closed. All the way through closing, from 8.30 till closing, they just kept this generosity train going. Pretty cool. So you might be thinking tonight, I don't know what it looks like for me. I'm not sure yet. Some of you know right now what it looks like. When you leave this place, God will leave with you and he will show you. Maybe he's showing you right now. But there's a guy that goes to Life Point. His name's Joe. And he lives out kindness. And here's how he does it. Check it out. My name is Joseph Russell Griffin. I work for AA&D Transportation for Special Needs Children, and now I am officially retired. Working with the special needs, it's really something that I think everyone should experience to understand what life is all about and the small things that we complain about are nothing compared to what these children go through every day of their lives. Being confined in wheelchairs, not able to verbally express what's going on with them. But it's the smiles that they give you when they get to know you or just seeing you every day and speaking to them and laughing. And it's just something that made me appreciate life even more. I had one child 
that he lived in Willow Springs. And he would just sit back there and he would just smile and his head was moving. And I realized, I said, you know, this is what it's all about. It's not about me trying to get these children off the bus as quick as I can to get home. It's about giving these children any kind of joy that we could possibly bring to them. But unfortunately, the young man passed away over the summer. And when I found out, I went to his house and just to give my condolences to the father. And when we seen each other, we just hugged each other and cried. And he said, you know, thank you for what you, you know, what you did for my son. That gave me my motivation to make sure these children, I give as much as I can to these children to bring them, like once again, joy in their life. I have so many stories about the children. And uh, it was a joy with every child I had on that bus. I'm also on the parking team here at North Campus and I've been doing that since we were at the school across the street. And I think my mission in life must be to get up in early in the morning just to say good morning to people. I just think that's so important. With the other job I had in New York, I was a substance abuse youth advisor, and I was doing that in the public, and I mean the elementary and the uh, middle schools. And one of the things I did every day was stand in a certain area with maybe one or two teachers, and I would greet every child that comes past me when they come in the morning to attend school, say good morning to them, hey, you're looking good. Just say something, of words of encouragement, because we never know if this may be the first time during that day, that morning, someone said good morning to them or said something positive to them. And I really appreciate doing that. And I felt the love coming back when I retired and all the letters and accolades that I received from the children for the past 20 years, 30 years when they found out I was retiring. And I didn't know I had that kind of impact on the children and some of the adults in the school system. I have to give a lot of credit. First of all, I always give credit to my Lord and Savior, but I give a lot of credit to this church. I think the people that's involved in this church really brought out the best in me. Since I came to this church, it really gave me a purpose, knowing that this is what our Lord and Savior wants me to do. And I never realized that before. And now I, I, I feel it, I, I can taste it, I can smell it, and it's just a great feeling. That cool? Isn't that cool? Yeah, Isn't that cool? <laughs> you know, Joe could have just done his job, right? You pick up kids, you drop them off, you go home, you have a meal, you go to bed, you get up, repeat. Joe could have done that. But he decided to respond in kindness. Bring kindness into his job. Bring kindness into his daily life and how he interacted with families. And I love his story. Tonight, you might have a couple of responses. Maybe your response tonight is this. Maybe you have never really understood and taken hold of the kindness that God has for you that would draw you to repentance, to draw you from an old way of living into a new way of life in him, where he can fill you with his Holy Spirit and give you and produce in you these fruits of the Spirit. Maybe that's your response tonight, is just to come down front, talk to Donnie and I will be down front, and Austin too, 
and just say, I, I want to know more about what that means. Maybe your response tonight is to join me in a challenge <laughs> to just show more kindness. You know, we don't have to pray for opportunities. Opportunities are as prevalent as the air that you're breathing. You don't get up in the morning and say, God, would you please provide air for me to breathe today? Does anybody get up and pray that prayer? No. And the same is true with showing kindness. You don't have to get up and say, God, will you show me somebody that needs kindness today? Here's a hint. Everyone <laughs> needs kindness. If hurt and pain is a currency, there's enough currency to make the world go round for another million years. It's everywhere. So maybe tonight you would join me in the challenge of just asking God, would you produce kindness and goodness and gentleness within me so that I can show it to others for your glory? And here's the last thing that we want to take away. It says this about the story. It says this about Bartimaeus. Instantly the man could see and he what? Followed Jesus down the road. Ultimately, we show kindness to people and we might meet their felt need. But you see what Bartimaeus did? He followed Jesus because he knew that a need beyond his blindness, his physical blindness could be met in Jesus. And that's what we hope for, is that as we show kindness, that people will turn to Christ and follow him just as Bartimaeus did. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much tonight for the kindness you have shown us, for the grace and mercy you have given us that leads us to repentance. And that same kindness you say, I'm gonna give that to you to give to others. God, for those of us in this room who just find it difficult sometimes to look people in the eye, to take time to care, would you do a work in us that can only be pointed to you that it's because of you that we could even do that. I thank you, Lord, for this time we've had together in your word, and I pray this in your name. Amen.